Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives. This is an up-close look at the students, faculty, and administrators who make your college unique. This week's show shines a spotlight on the programs and people here at YCP. This week's host is Jeffrey Schiffner. Welcome to WVYC's Perspectives, and today we are going to be talking with a renowned artist, Paul Rucker. Paul, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for that renowned, and uh, glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Paul, you, you've, you're an artist. Kind of describe what got you to be where you are as an artist. Uh, I guess a little naivete. Um, you know, when you grow up, you want to be... Uh, well, you still want to be president, but uh, things that you want to be, you don't really think about limitations. And if, if you were, were to tell people you wanted to be an artist, you know, typically people discourage you. They say, oh, you got to prepare to starve. And, you know, and so it's a really discouraging thing. So I kind of ignored that with my music career and I had a, a pretty good music career. But I, I think I went into visual art because I wanted a different method or different delivery method to talk about the issues that uh, I felt were important to address. Let's talk about that. You you, you talk, you, you were a musician first, and you still, and when you do uh, a talk or uh, an exhibition, you do play. Uh, you play the cello uh, quite well, or to, to what I can tell. Um, what What was that motivation to then go to being a visual artist? I think, again, it's a different delivery method. I created a suite of music about the Tuskegee experiment, about the 400 black men that were experimented on between 1932 and 1972 in Alabama to see the effects of untreated syphilis. And I wrote music about it, and that's one way of telling a story, but there was there were no words to that. And I wanted to show, and uh, my first, uh, pretty well-known piece is this piece called Proliferation, where I animated the U.S. prison system, and I created music and animation to create this, uh, to tell the story of the 2.3 million people in the United States that are incarcerated, that, you know, the story that we built one new prison every week on average since 1976, that the U.S. is 5% of the world's population, but we have 25% of the world's prison population. But I wanted to tell that story in a visual way, in a way that even a child could understand, that they could see the dots uh, on a map and see that we have a lot of prisons. So it was uh, just a different tool. And I think uh, some people learn different ways. They learn from reading. Some people have to be really tactile and learn things that way. But I think having um, information delivered different ways is is a strength and uh, not a weakness. And I want to use as many different ways as possible. So I use animation. I use sculpture. I use new composition as well as interactive uh, pieces as well where I engage with the audience. And I, a lot of my work revolves around historic objects uh, like lynching postcards. So I take lynching postcards and animate them and set them in the music, and I'll be doing some today, uh, performing them live. Uh, but I think uh, it's just giving you many more options. It's like a toolkit, so many more options of telling a story. And artists are storytellers, basically, I think. We are talking with uh, Paul Rucker, who is going to... Uh, have an exhibition here at your college. The exhibition will be running in uh, Wolf Hall in the art galleries uh, at Wolf Hall till October 21st. Uh, certainly something that you should come and see. At, uh, very provocative. You like to be provocative, don't you? Define provocative. Uh, make people think. Make people think about um, what they're what they're seeing. That it's much more than just. It's not 
it, you're not a painter. You're not going to see a, a you know a beautiful landscape or anything like that. You want them to think much more than just about what they're looking at. You want you you, you want to be socially conscious too. I want to activate people's uh, minds. I want people to have conversations, but I want them to have fully informed conversations, not conversations based on I feel. And I, and I have to respond to the provocative because people have taken that word and made it uh, into something uh, that I think it is. It wasn't intended. I think to provoke thought is, is one way of looking at it. And yes, I want people to think about things, but to be provocative or to uh, shock someone or to throw someone off kilter because the truth is nothing that I make in the gallery should be no any more thought provoking than anything in re the real world. And we see that now. Uh, so I touch on American history. That's not, uh, that's not very comfortable that most of which we haven't dealt with as a country or a culture, or we're dealing with it in different ways. And one of the ways we have been dealing with certain things is by not dealing with it. And I think that's, uh, the power that um, some folks have, if, if, if the power of ambiguity, the power of the elephant in the room can be manipulated and used for harm. And uh, so a lot of my work addresses that. Has your has there been an evolution for you as well? Uh, as you've gotten older, you've experienced more. Has has your work evolved into to more social consciousness uh, or did it start out that way and you've just keep going? Um, the first piece I ever wrote was for uh, a young lady that was shot uh, with a gun. Uh, she was in an amusement park in um, uh, Carowinds, and some guys were playing with a machine gun. They, they were playing with an illegal gun, and uh, they didn't really understand the distance of the bullets. And the, the bullets went to this theme park and hit this girl who was in a wading pool, and I wrote a string quartet for that. So my first piece wasn't about race and I didn't know what social justice was I was just making something or a piece about something that moved me or that uh, concerned me it wasn't anti-gun it was like wow this girl just lost her life so later I created pieces that were fun interactive sound and video pieces where you would break laser beams to start and stop sound when you would use touch pads to manipulate video and this is long before you know we all had smartphones and technology was really expensive but then something made me realize that I wanted to I wanted my artwork to mean something to address the issues because I get tired of I don't want to complain about things I want to be part of a solution or part of addressing things and I think that's where I continue. I, I want to be able to have fully informed conversations and I want other people to have conversations again from a places of knowledge. And one of the places, one of the reasons that um, I create a 32 page newspaper to go along with uh, the show and I've given away thousands of these papers now, probably over 10,000 papers and they're free. So I want people to learn about the Klan. I want them to learn about the prison system, learn about um, our how we went seamlessly from slavery to incarceration and learn about Plessy versus Ferguson, you know, segregation, the slavers, the industry of King Cotton, which was a multi-million dollar industry. So cotton, like for instance, cotton sales alone in 1860 equal $200 million. That would equal $5 billion today. And very few, if any, people learn that in school. And these are important facts that people will understand. And, um, you know, early uh, leader of the Klan, uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, who has several institutions named after him, 
across the country, including schools and lunchrooms, and uh, there, there's monuments to him. Uh, he was a millionaire slave trader. So the first, you know, one of the first Civil War uh, soldiers that started the plan in, you know, in the 1860s was a millionaire slave trader. And so there, those connections need to be made when we're having a conversation about uh, these groups. We certainly, uh, considering what's happened in this country, just the, the last couple of months, we had the incidents in Charlottesville. Is that forming in your mind that you're going to do something re in reaction to that? I've been doing something in reaction to what's happening now most of my life. So <laughs> I've been making these Klan ropes since uh, 1914. Not 1914, but uh, 2014. Let me try it again if you edit. No, that's okay. Yeah, I've been making these Klan ropes uh, since uh, 2014 and long before what's happening now. And when I grew up, I would see uh, Klan rallies. I grew up in South Carolina and I was playing music in Augusta, Georgia. And then, you know, I would see Klan rallies and marches occasionally. And I think people assume, uh, oh, this group's about hate. They hate people. They hate black people. They, hate, I mean, but there's more to the Klan uh, than that. The Klan in the 1920s was really organized, and uh, there were four to five million members of the Klan in the 1920s. That was the second wave of the Klan, and it was a response uh, to the end of World War One. It was a response to American protectionism. You know, immigrants, jobs. It was a response to uh, preserving uh, white America as we knew it. At that time and uh, what are we going to do with all these recently freed uh, black people after Reconstruction so um, yeah so I think I think the uh, I've been making artwork about things that I've been curious about things that we were not taught about like Emmett Till's death or the Alabama church bombing uh, victim or the the people who've been shot recently by police and uh, who have never you know never were charged in some cases and some were charged and who were never convicted and again in most cases so um, a lot of my work is about that but yeah I think since day one of, of, of really serious art making uh, I've always reflected on uh, current issues and nothing is what's happening today is not really new I think I think if anyone says you know I've, I've done this show six times across the country you know without um, a single problem. We've had discussions and engagements about things and a lot of conversations to pretty full houses and because people want to talk about things. But I think the uh, I think most black Americans know that this is not new. What's happening today is more amplified now. And whether you're living in, you know, Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Seattle, Washington, where I live in both places, or Richmond, Virginia, which is another location of monuments. They have the most monuments in Virginia than any uh, state in the uh, country. And or even uh, York, Pennsylvania, there's issues and things that have never been dealt with as far as race and history within the area. And um, those issues still affect how we engaged today with systemic and structural racism firmly in place, you can see the disparity in wealth, the disparity in opportunity in every city in the United States. If someone comes to this exhibit, what are they going to see? Describe some of the things that they're going to see in this exhibit. Uh, they'll see um, wooden sculptures uh, representing different civil rights deaths and events. They'll see modernized versions of Ku Klux Klan robes. 
And the Ku Klux Klan robes that I make are the best quality uh, Klan robes that have ever been made in America or anywhere in the world for that matter. And during 2015, I uh, made a new Klan robe every week for the entire year. So you'll see um, most of those robes here today and uh, different sizes. But I don't want to spoil, you know, what people will see. Uh, again, there's animation video and there's uh, cases of artifacts. I also have a little small museum. I have slave branding irons, uh, lynching postcards, uh, books, and really derogatory uh, things uh, from the past couple of centuries. I have a lot of books and pamphlets from the 1800s and the branding irons and the restraints and the uh, other tools that were used uh, by slaves, made by slaves, will also be on display. I have a cleaver and a wheat grass cutter and a sugarcane knife and uh, the tool that's used to work on horses. I have all of these tools that were slave made that are inside uh, this display case. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about uh, showing a lot of the new artifacts along with that. And I have uh, pieces that I made with a uh, uh, Glock 22. I use a 40 caliber semi-automatic pistol to create work. Um, so those pieces will be on display as well. One with a shotgun and uh, yeah. So I use a lot of different mediums. Um, if someone tells you this can't be used for art, they are wrong. I don't care what the item is. It can be used to make art. And as to, as to I think that's one of the advantages to not having a formal arts education. It was I, I didn't I was never taught limitations as far as what you can or can't do. So one of my favorite slogans is moving beyond the limitations of expectations. And we're if we're expected to go here, we'll probably just go there, just barely make it. But if you move beyond that, you can do almost anything. You know, I think I think the, the possibilities are endless. So I think there's going to be a wide mix of things and. Again, there's a newspaper at the show, and the newspaper is the guide to go through the show, and you'll be able to take it with you as well. Paul Rucker, uh, renowned artist, uh, will be displaying his uh, some of his work here at York College. Uh, the display will be uh, through October 21st. It will be in the galleries of uh, Wolf Hall. Please come and uh, visit that. Paul, thank you very much. Go ahead. Yeah, I wanted to say uh, thank you very much to York College and uh, for them uh, to bring the show in and uh, letting it happen in a time that it really needs to happen and we need to have discussions about things because it takes it takes courage to challenge ideas and ideology of uh, our, our ways of life and, and this show does just that. So I'm hoping that we will have a diverse audience and not just diverse in uh, color or socioeconomic level, levels but diverse in thought as well. Paul, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for WVYC's Perspectives. The program airs Mondays and Fridays at 10 a.m. This public affairs program is also available as a podcast at wvyc.podbean.com. Jeffrey Schiffman serves as the executive producer of Perspectives. We hope you join us again for another in-depth look at the York College community.